Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to another live Q&A of yours. Truly hope y'all are doing well on this Friday. Hope y'all are getting uh, uh, a lot of momentum, ending your week and then starting your week, uh, weekend per se, but I hope you guys are doing well, but for those who's watching me for the very first time, my name is Josh Rezzi, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life, and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use, and after watching this video, like, man, I like that God's vibe, go ahead and subscribe, because I would love to be a coach here online, but for those who's been rocking with me, whether you've been a subscriber for 13, 14 years, or you've been a subscriber for 13 and 14 seconds, I want to say thank you so much for hitting that button and trusting what God has entrusted to me, and I pray it continues to be treasured to you. But for those um, who are watching me live, as everyone is coming in, let me let you guys know, those who's watching later, what I have available to you all, as well as I want to say welcome to all those who listen to me live, uh, who listen to me audibly. Uh, through audio, through my podcast, I want to say thank you and welcome you all um, to the podcast. But let's uh, let you guys know about some things I got going on, like my latest book, Facts Over Feelings, How to Go from Feeling to Fulfilling Your Purpose or Fulfilling Your Roles in Your Life. is a great book and resource tool for those who want to process their feelings. There's areas for you uh, to vent, also for you to process your feelings. And for you to be able to investigate and find the facts behind those feelings. As well as I have in this book scriptures of the top 20 or so feelings that people struggle with. So I got a verses section for you to uh, look up some scriptures. As well as a pros and cons uh, section for you to be able to process in real time the pros and cons of an individual or relationship etc. And also the color and the red flags that you notice. As well as maybe 12 or 10 chapters on uh, feelings and how to process them. So that book is now available on Amazon. It is also available on my website, imunplugged.com. You can also get books like The Wholeness Journal, books on singleness, books on dating, books on soul ties and strongholds, books on discernment. All these books and resources are available, again, on my website, imunplugged.com. All right, let's see who's all here. Uh, good morning to... Oh, I got myself blocked again. There we go. What's up, Christopher? Good morning to you, family. Hey, Michaela, what's going on? You doing all right? Please keep me updated. Moses, what's up? From watching from Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Tucson. PTL says, I end up having a hard time being happy for other success. I understand, man. And that's why your life cannot be consumed in comparisons, right? Because when you compare happiness, then you'll find yourself sad because you'll be looking at that person's happiness based upon their conditions. See, happiness is based upon conditions. Happiness is based upon what is happening. So if you don't have certain conditions happening for you, then you're not going to be as happy. So what happens is we begin to envy other people's happenings because it's not happening for us. And when that happens, we end up in a disgust. We end up disgusted. We end up uh, flustered. We end up upset, right? And then it makes us difficult. It makes it difficult for us to actually be happy for them uh, uh, and for their success, right? But what helps me is realizing, number one, not everyone who looks happy is happy. Number two, um, uh, not all of their conditions. I may not have all the characteristics to be able to manage them. And thirdly, I know that one day it will be my chosen opportunity for me to have whatever it is that I desire to have. So instead of uh, uh, um, finding it difficult to celebrate other people's success, celebrate the success of God's work in your life. Number two, you got to be able to really be honest with yourself, look in the mirror and say, am I even prepared for the success that you're having? That humbles you and then that puts you in a position to make things happen for you, 
Right? So now you're going to end up making things happen for you to position yourself for though if those things were to happen for you, then you will be able to uh, celebrate and be able to steward that success well. So you have to examine why is your heart having a hard time being happy for others. And it's usually because of the hard seasons that we're going through um, because we don't have the conditions that other people have. But you have to really be honest, man, because this is what I do every time that I see someone succeed. Number one, I celebrate them knowing for a fact that, hey, hey, they got it right. Number two, I also begin to process, hey, how do I even know they're truly happy? And number three, I have to realize that if I want that level of success, I got to prepare myself to be able to steward at that level so it keeps me from looking at what they're successful at and to be focused on how I can make myself successful. Hope to help, bro. Great question, though. Jonah Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? It's Jojo out of Fort Worth. I am a content creator influencer. How do I focus speaking the word instead of money and popularity? Great question, man. Well, the word works. The word is alive and active. It's able to pierce through heart and uh, spirit and soul. It's, it's the greatest uh, uh, um, words that we can utilize because of its power. See, words' value is directly correlated to the one who spoke it. And when we're speaking the words of God as good stewards of God's word, then however we creatively uh, display it, exegetically found it, and ensuring that we're not um, twisting it to manipulate others, it's going to do its work. Now, you also have to understand what kind of reward are you looking for in, as a, in regards to a content creator. There's a pool of people that's looking to hear how you creatively uh, um, share the word of God and influence others. But you also have to understand that the word has an other side to it. There's a side that makes everyone happy. And there's a side that makes people kind of be like, you know what? I don't even know if I really want to follow Christ, right? So you have to be prepared for the backlash of, of, of standing on the word of God, right? So as long as your heart is pure and as long as your... <clears throat> Uh, heart is pure, your motives are pure, and as long as you're endeavoring to uh, um, um, exegete the scriptures in its correct sense and enabling it to be able to be utilized to help people grow and develop, then my friend, go ahead and do it. But when it comes to money and popularity, you have to understand where do you want to be popular? Where do you want to store treasure? Do you want to be more popular here and store money down here where it's temporary? Or do you want to have an eternal goal? See, for me, my channel grows at its pace that it grows. I can't get upset uh, or compare my channel to other people's channels and then begin to compromise so that my channel can grow. I got to continue to sow the word the way I sow it. I have to continue to do it the way I know it, right? And flow with it in accordance, in accordance, uh, uh, in accordance, what is where, whatever I'm trying to say. But I have to make sure that I follow God because God determines my success. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west. It comes from above. And so if you focus on how much money you'll make and how much popularity you receive, then you will be end up doing it in a deceptive way, end up having yourself deceived because you want to um, make more money. But what I do, man, I don't worry about the money. I don't worry about popularity because I know for a fact um, that, that, that all that stuff is vain. And at the same time, I know for a fact that I rather store up treasure where neither moth or rust can destroy and where no, no thieves can break in and steal. That I do. Don't get me wrong. There's money that comes with this. But but you also got to be prepared for uh, um, not putting yourself in position to compromise. So I'm a content creator influencer. How do I focus speaking the word? Just speak the word only. And then you'll find yourself actually serving the people who's hungry for the word. 
You know, if you have an Italian sign outside a restaurant, but you are really a burger joint, you're going to end up deceiving the people and, up, end up, and, and ultimately affecting your business negatively. But if you say, hey, what I give is the word of God and what they eat is the pure word of God, then my friend, you will have a greater reward in eternity. Hope that helps. Christopher says, I think, okay, Chris says, just a bit lost. Don't know what to ask. How do I refine myself? Great question, man. Um, you have to ask yourself, what lured you off the path? Because oftentimes we're lost because we have no GPS. Or we're not adhering to the GPS, God's positioning system. So we're lost because we're not with the boss, right? And so we have to begin to examine what lured me off the path. And oftentimes the thing that lures you off the path is the very thing that leaves you in a place of confusion because you thought that it would be your source, you thought that it would sustain you, etc., etc. Now, how does one refine themselves after they have fallen off the path? Is to get back to your first love. It's to understand who he is as love and allow that love, that perfect love, to cast out all fear. Oftentimes, people has a misunderstanding of God. They think God is uh, uh, hates them or is mad at them. No, he's mad at the sin that's affecting you and his relationship together, right? He wants to eradicate those things out of your life so you can really begin to see life and life more abundantly through Christ, right? So you refine yourself by number number one, um, realizing that, that God loves you. Realizing that God uh, uh, wants you to come home. Realizing that, right? And number two, you got to empty out all type of negative feelings that you have about yourself. And all negative feelings that you have about what you, where you are right now. Then you got to get into fellowship with him. You got to say, hey, God, I'm going to fellowship with you. And then in that fellowship, you will begin to see the intimacy that bursts out of it. And then you'll begin to be inspired by your relationship with God to be able to live a life in accordance, right? And then you begin to realize that you need nothing else other than him. And when you realize you need nothing else other than him, then you find contentment. Then you find a place of settling. And then you find a place of newness in yourself. And then you're going to be able to do great things for God. I just spelled refined, right? And so when you do that in that uh, in that line, not necessarily in that order, then you'll begin to see yourself refined. But you also got to realize that you can't be refined unless your mind is renewed. You have to allow your mind to be renewed about how you see yourself, how you feel about yourself, how you see God and how God sees you. You got to allow your mind to be renewed in order for you to be refined. And you also got to begin to implement certain spiritual regiments to help sharpen and shape you, shaping your perspectives mentally, right? So what, what lured you off the path, number one? What lured you? Love of money, love of success, uh, lust of the world, lust of the eye, pride of life. What lured you off the path? Then you got to begin to uh, go back to the cure. Even though you was lured, you got to go f get yourself cured mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And you do that by looking at yourself black and white on the paper. Write down all the good, the bad, and the ugly of you. And then begin to investigate and study God's love for you. And then get yourself renewed mentally. And then begin to enter into God and fellowship with him a little bit more. And then you'll begin to see yourself refined over time. Hope to help. I feel like I'm about to sneeze. Oh, you also says how to remove self-pity. Excuse me. How to remove self-pity. Well, you got to get over yourself. You have to get over yourself. And you have to get out the pit. 
You have to get over yourself because sometimes we 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 hype ourselves up too much because depending on how our family has has uh, uh, stewarded us, some people are have families that overly love them. They have families that give too much to them. They have families that coddle them, right? And then they make themselves more. They they begin to puff themselves up. They they start thinking of themselves more than they are. Or they grew up in a family that did not inspire oneself. And then now they want to prove themselves. And then improving themselves or being puffed up mentally about themselves, they end up falling. Both parties fall into a pit. And then when they fall into a pit because God hasn't been their rock and it hasn't been their source, then all of a sudden they find themselves in pity. And when someone's in pity, they start thinking they're pitiful. They're full of pits. They're full of holes in their hearts that needs to be fulfilled by God, letting them understand and better grasp the idea of them being sons and daughters of God so that they now can start anchoring and rooting their self-confidence more into Christ than into their own life. So now you got to get out of the pit of self. So you don't fall into self-pity. So you got to say, okay, what am I pitting myself against? What am I? What are the pits in my life that's causing me to fall into self pity? And so you gotta deny yourself. You gotta say, "Hey, man, I'm thinking of myself more highly than art, or I'm thinking of myself too less than the art." I gotta think of myself accurately. And the only way you can get the accuracy of thought of oneself is in the scriptures of God. And begin to say, okay, what does the word of God say about me? That I am a fallen man. That I'm a man that is in desperate need of a savior. And that there was a savior that revealed himself in flesh. Who took the penalty that I was supposed to take. And, and gave me the righteousness that he was supposed to hold. That I can now begin to stand before the triune God. Without feeling any type of resistance. And I can now have fellowship with God like as if this never even happened. And through that uh, justification by Christ. Now through sanctification. I can be made more righteous because of the righteousness that's been appearing on me, that I can start becoming more righteous as a man, more righteous as a husband, more righteous as, as a parent, etc., etc., because of the righteousness being appeared on me. That's what gets you out of self-pity, knowing that someone else went in the pit for you, went in the pits of hell for you to take the kings, the keys of death, hell, and the grave so that I can be able to behave in accordance of how God wants me to so that now I can have a safe haven to be able to run to anytime I feel any kind of feelings about myself. I hope that helped. Michaela says, what you say? You say, do you think emotional cheating and emotional neglect is biblical grounds for divorce? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, because the Bible measures things not by the action. It goes deeper into the heart. Right? So the Bible talks about how if a man looks at a woman if a man looks at a woman or lusts after a woman with his eye, he has already committed adultery with her. <clears throat> because God doesn't measure the hand acts or the habits. He measures the heart. God doesn't care less. Don't get me wrong. God doesn't first look at the habits of a man or a woman. He looks at the heart of a man or a woman. Because a person can have all the great habits in the world. Great successful habits. Great marital habits. But God knows the, the, the cornerest corner of a human's heart. And knowing the motives that are uh, growing slowly. That can contaminate the thing eventually. Now grounds for divorce. You got to say okay. Have I given God enough a chance? I mean, how much chance have I given this individual? Right. Because if you're if if you're being emotionally cheated on or emotionally neglected on, then eventually it's going to flood into the physical hand. 
Because if it's in the heart, it will eventually get to the hand. Now, if you feel that you have given this individual enough time, enough opportunities, and his heart has not been changed, even through prayer or whatever, then God said because of the hardness of man's heart, he opens the doors for divorce. But divorce was never meant to be so. But God is a gracious God knowing that he himself cannot change the heart of a man without that man's free will. So that no matter what circumstances that God puts in that person's life, he knows in his foreknowledge whether or not a person is going to receive him or not. So if you end up marrying an individual that you know for a fact heart is hard towards you, who is not even showing any type of evidence of changing, then it didn't, you have to exchange papers. And then just say, you know what, I got to move on. And in that moving on, you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive him. You got to position yourself in, in a situation where you can begin to be healed in that area. Because anytime you sever anything emotionally, it causes more pain than any type of sever physically. So biblical grounds for divorce is adultery. And if a person has committed adultery in their heart... Those, those are legal grounds biblically. But at the end of the day, you have to still be led by the Spirit of God. And if the Holy Spirit says, hey, his heart is too hard and there's nothing that we can do, then he made a door for you to exit through. I hope to help. Jen says, I'm a real chill guy, but I have a problem with someone disrespect me. For example, a cashier, random person or playing ball. You're talking to the choir, my brother. I have to let them know to not disrespect me and things always go left. What does that say about me and how should I deal with my need to respond? And why do I have the need to respond to disrespect? Man, you are talking to a twin. Let me tell you something. I have struggled a lot in my past with disrespect. And oftentimes when it comes down to disrespect in my past, I had the need to let someone know that you disrespect me and don't you ever do it again. Right. There's been situations where I've been in where I got physical, where I got out of character. And then that began to be the the pictures hanging on a thread to show me in a photo booth that, hey, man, do you want to be represented like this? And secondly, now. You have to also process, okay, what are my limits with this? Am I am I able to be able to manage that? Because if I don't manage that, what kind of, what kind of embarrassment can I bring on myself, on God, and on my family? That's what I began to process, and that's what God has been using to renew my mind so that now... When disrespected by individuals, now I can inspect it accurately knowing that this individual pray for them versus telling them pray for them. <clears throat> and what that means is, is that if you disrespect me, you have no respect for yourself. And it could just mean that we as men, some men greater than others, we honor respect so much because of the work that we put in, because of how much we invested in our character. And then when someone disrespect us, it's almost as if like, what... Like, what are you trying to say about us, right? <clears throat> but what I began to do in my own life is to chuckle. Not chuckle in their face, but to realize, hey, man, if you're going to disrespect me, that means you haven't fully inspected me. Because disrespect becomes when there's no inspection. Like, disrespecting means, hey, I disrespect you because I don't need to fully inspect you. And even if people fully know you, they still want to expose you 
because they know that that can be a trigger. So also what I do is I realize that I cannot open the door for the enemy to put me in a situation where I could potentially lose my life, take someone else's life, or put myself in an unnecessary battle. The thing that I always have in the back of my mind that Josh win, lose this battle win the war. Winning the war means I got back home. Winning the war means I didn't put my hands on the one. Winning the war. I rather lose the verbal battle and win the emotional peace that comes with war after war than to be in a, in a back and forth, right? Now you said, what does that say about me and how should I deal with my need to respond? You, you don't want to see life is about energies, bro. Like what I've realized is that when I one thing about me that I, I have to always be cognizant of is my peace. What's the song say? This joy that I have or this peace, joy that I have, the world didn't give it. But let me say it about peace. That that this peace that I have, I don't want people to tear it into pieces. So anyone that affects my peace, I have to say peace out. Because I don't want my peace to come out and then I'm lost, I'm losing peace. So therefore when I respond, I'm technically giving them my peace, giving them my energy, and then I'm left frustrated. So it's best to hold your peace than for your peace to be torn into pieces in the hands of someone who's restless in their own life and they have no peace. So, But what does it say about you? It says you're a man that understands principles and standards and you understand the value of respect. And we as men, we have to just protect our respect by not letting it be ejected onto someone else that's that's doing disrespecting, that's disrespecting us, right? So don't feel, don't, what you have to do, you have to practice it. So what helps me is typically when I'm not really fellowship with God like I should have, what I mean by that starting my day off, when I start getting busy, I have to make it easy by pulling the reins back so I can go to the one that reigns over my life. And when I do that, then life throughout my day becomes more slow motion. It's almost like I'm navigating the day slowly. And the bullets are like the matrix where I'm able to move the bullets in real time. But when I am restless or I begin to find myself not in relationship with God, and what I mean by that is like where it's just not as consistent, then I find myself rocky and I find myself in a place where I get overly competitive. But I found the formula is that the formula is when I fellowship with God and start my day with God and allow myself to be set on a certain frequency and flow, then when someone tries to slow that flow, then I just say no and go about my day. All right? And he said, and why do I have the need to respond disrespect? It's because we're men and we don't like, we're egos. So our egos have to be managed. And the Bible talks about the fruit of the spirit at the end of it, self-control. And one thing that I had to process, well, I'm going to do it right now, uh, fruits of the spirit, right? One thing I had to always process, right? Let me see if I can share the screen. Um, let me see if I can share the screen. Uh, that's a lot of tabs. Hold on. Where my tab at? Here we go. Oh, yeah, I can't see. I can't see y'all. Okay, hold on. Give me one second, my brother. This is what I this is what I had to do. He said the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What I, I did this in many videos before, but I'm gonna do it again for you and others that's watching. What I begin to realize about this uh, right here, bro, is that self-control is the end of the fruit. Right? That 
if I don't embrace the love of God, allow God love to cast away all fear. So sometimes we 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 respond to disrespect because of fear of being embarrassed, fear fearing of what people may think about us because of the embarrassment, or the fear of my manhood not being respected. So there's some level of fear when we respond, right? And it happens in certain situations. But when I allow the love of God, the perfect love of God, to clean out all of my fear, then I will always be at a state of joy. Then I find myself more joyful because I, I am loved. When you're working for love, you'll find yourself restless. But when you're working from love, right, then, then you, you will have a little bit more uh, love in you, right? Even to your enemy. So when I when I allow when I walk in the love of God and I begin to dwell in the love of God and I begin to reflect on the love of God, then it naturally puts me in a state of joy. Joy means that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So in order for me to be strong in a moment of disrespect, I got to know where my strength comes from. And I have to make sure that my joy tank is full. Because where the where the presence of the Lord is, there's the fullness of joy. So if I've already been in the presence of God and I'm tapped in mentally in the omnipresence of God in my day, then I will always be at a place of joy. Which means I will always have strength in the tank to be able to overlook an offense. When that joy has strengthened me and I've gotten a river of joy, my perspective has shifted, then I would naturally be a peaceful person. And then if a person wants to come against my peace, they the one looks dumb because everybody's going to be like, man, this person ain't do nothing to you. And then you or your shoes will have already been shot with the preparation of peace so that no matter where you walk into, you bring in peace with you. Then when a person is peaceful, they end up becoming more patient. Because when you're at peace, you're able to wait. You don't mind waiting. You're more patient, right? Because you understand the process of life. And when you're more patient, you end up becoming more kind. Because when you're a patient person you and you understand that you're on a clock with God and that God is ordering your steps, then you can be more kind when people step into your life or not. And you can begin to walk in love with individuals. And then when you're kind, then you end up being more generous, being good. Then you'll begin to like for me. When a person gets mad with me in a game, I'd be like, man, no, it's your ball, man. We ain't got to shoot for it. You can have the point. And like if I get fouled and they said, there ain't no foul, they start yelling. Instead of me, old me being like, man, why are you, who you yelling at? i just be like, man, no, it's your ball. I'm generous. Here's your ball. You take the ball. It's your ball, right? And then my generosity helps me to become more faithful in all these different things, right? Now I want to do more good, right? And then in my faithfulness, I can't be I can't be gentle unless I understand the value of faithfulness. So faithfulness towards my wife is 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 gentler now because I know God's love has gotten a fear out of me, right? And then gentleness, when you're gentle with others, you'll be gentle with self. And when you know that God is gentle with you, you'll be gentle with yourself, you'll be gentle with others, therefore you have more self-control. But you cannot have some self-control if you're not gentle. You're not going to be gentle unless you're faithful. You're not going to be faithful unless you're generous. You're not going to be generous unless you're kind. You're not going to be kind unless you're patient. You're not going to be patient unless you're at peace. You're not going to be at peace unless you're full of joy. And you're not going to have joy until you have God's love. So that's what I do with all of the above. Hope to help him. PTS says, thanks coach. I notice it because things come harder for me and I get frustrated when people get things easier than me. Hey man, you, same thing. You talk to the choir family. I know your story. Typically, man, that's what happens to whom much is given, much is required. And just because they get it easy doesn't mean they'll have it forever. I just know that to whom much is given, the gifts, the assignments, the callings, much is required, which means more modules, more tests, more development, more preparation because of high level training. Listen, the high level need requires high level training. 
So if if whoever got who whoever is sent into high risk situations are people who are highly qualified. And that's why if, if you're planning on being used to do high level things, then you have to go through high level uh, development. Hope they help. I got to go in a little bit, y'all. Oh, we almost done. Okay. All right. Let's see. I got to put more effort, it seems. And that's good. The more effort you put in, the more you get out. Like, I don't mind working hard. I don't mind working harder than others than, than because I'll end up having what others can't have. Right. Uh, I be wanting to lay the rod on some folk. I know, man. I be wanting to fight folk too. But at the end of the day, their disrespect reveals their respect of themselves and their respect of God. And if you can't reverence God, who am I to you? What did Kanye say? He said, "What's a God to a non-believer?" You see what I'm saying? So if you don't even believe and reverence God, then who am I to you? And so your disrespect just proves that you don't respect yourself and you don't respect God. McKay says, could God be silent now if he gave me signs in the beginning not to marry someone? Well, sometimes the lesson is the lesson, right? And so God, God's silence is there because he has already spoken. And, and, if he, and if he is graciously enough giving you a way of escape, then you can walk out that escape, right? And, and then, but you can't beat yourself up because God's grace is sufficient. And, and, and anything can be turned around for your good, especially for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you focus on your love of God and you continue to walk in purpose, the God's purpose for you, he'll return everything around for your good despite what you have done, right? Or what has happened to you. Two more and I got to go. Andrew says, how do I work with young people in church that aren't really interested in God, only attend church because of parents? I pray for them and interact with them as much as I can. Great question, Andrew, because I'm in that boat now. Um, I serve young people everywhere. <clears throat> Every day is a young person. <laughs> uh, I, I teach a 16 to 18 year old Bible class in my church. I'm in a high, middle school and high school, Monday through Friday, right? <clears throat> So I'm around young people all the time. And one thing that I saw, because all the young people to the degree gravitate towards me. So I'm going to give you some things that I've seen in my own life that help me really impact young people. And they'll actually come to my Bible class, whether their parents bring them or not. My, my Bible class is packed full of kids all the time. It's because they understand or I understand them, right? So don't, let me tell you this. Be real. Be genuine. Be transparent, be authentic, and truly be a follower of Christ with fruit evident. These kids have watched in the last two years with me walking them, God worked for me in real time. These kids need signs, apparently. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and that doesn't mean you sign language with them. What I mean by that, every time you got to prove, here's a sign that proves God's real. We're not saying do sign language with kids, but let the but let the signs of your relationship with God speak, though. Don't What I mean is don't be like, oh, guess what God did for me today and think that's going to change the heart. No, they have to see it. They saw me without a car for three or four months. Y'all didn't even know it. They actually saw me. I rode the bus with them to the other side to meet my wife. They saw me on the bus for months. And they saw me ride. They saw me ride. And then all of a sudden, when January comes, they see me with a new ride that was blessed upon me, greater than whatever thought I could have. The kids' minds are blown. Or when I become, the, when I begin to share them stories of how God looked out for me, they're gonna want that. No matter the age, no matter the stage, people are gonna want what's in that page. And the only thing that with that page, what I mean by that is people are always, people are always looking for love. People are always looking for joy. People are always looking for peace. These three things cannot be found anywhere else but in God.
So if you keep, if you have love evident in your life, joy evident in your life, peace evident in your life, and you're authentic, they'll naturally gravitate to you because they're going to want that, right? So he says, how do I work with young people in church that aren't really interested in God? You stay interested in God. You keep being real with God, and you have to be patient with them because with kids, you don't know why they hate God. A lot of the kids that I serve right now don't like God because they don't like the way their parents interact with God because they've seen their parents give more to the church than they have themselves. Or they see the hypocriticalness in their parents. Or that their parents haven't done a good job in discipling them into better understanding God. And so when you have that in the mix, then you have kids that are saying God ain't legit. Therefore, they're going to quit on him because their parents is making them love God the way they love God without allowing them to organically grow their own relationship with God. They want to give them a genetically modified version versus the organic version because they don't even have an organic relationship with them. So all you can do is continue to love on them. But don't love them more than you love yourself and love God. Uh, be wise with certain interactions with them. And 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 ask God to give you strength, man, to be able to help them. But man, it's a it's a, it's you have to have the right heart for it, you have to have the right patience for it. Because kids go through so much, man. And church, most churches are not are not structured appropriately for the full development of all disciples, no matter the age. So you have these children's church, and then you have the youth groups, and then you have no young adult ministries typically, and then you have the big the older people, right? The church structure has to be revisited and in developing a more discipleship form versus a, 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 a discipleship. Uh, it needs to be a different, it has to be um, discipleship focus, not informational focus. Because information doesn't transform anybody, revelation does. And if you begin to walk with these people and begin to get deeper into their lives and begin and help them see God is alive and it wants to be alive in them, then you'll see them be more alive with God. I love you guys. I got to go. Um, I got some books like the Facts of Feelings book here. It's a great resource for you to get uh, from feeling to fulfilling. So it teach you how to uh, process your feelings so that you can get back to fulfilling your purpose. I also have a book on wholeness. If you want to hold things well, you have to be whole as well, right? That book's available as well. Uh, book on singleness. If you want to learn how to maximize your singleness, or understand the purpose of your singleness, a great book there. If you're looking for a book to help you learn how to date yourself, date God, and become dateable, so you can date love your life forever, there's a great book here. It also has great questions and it either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship. If you're struggling with soul ties and strongholds, this book right here, The Purpose of Freedom, is a great book here. If you're struggling with discernment and you don't know if it's a counterfeit or counterpart, or you know if he's the right one or she's the right one or this the right job, whatever, it's a great book there. I have a children's book as well for kids. Um, great book to help them find their purpose and understand their art form. And also, if you want to learn more about spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God, this book is available as well. We also have merch. All this stuff is available on our website, imunplugged.com. Let me scroll down. Uh, gotta go because y'all got y'all y'all do this to me every time. If I start scrolling down, uh, then I end up uh, answering questions. Thank you for watching for South Africa. I appreciate it. If you also feel led to support what we do, if you want to give financially, all that good stuff, you can do so on my website, imunplugged.com. However you support, we appreciate generosity in advance. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll catch y'all next time. Peace.